Good morning. Good, good morning, good morning. Welcome. We're glad you're here. I'm Kent. This is Julie, and we're the Utterbacks. Yes, hi. Thanks for waving. Balcony people. Yes. Good to Hello. see you. Patio people. I know last week <laughs> it was a little war- uh, cold and nice and warm in here. So we're welcoming everybody online as well. I know there's a lot of people watching online that only watch online, like my friend Eleanor in Buena Park. So shout out there. And please let us know if you're new, especially online, so yeah. we can get in touch with you. And if you're new here, we would love to meet you, make you feel welcome. We have Connection Central booths out in both corners of the church and in the back patio. So stop by and say hello. We yeah. want to welcome you. Galantina? Oh, yeah. Uh, yesterday was Galentine Day, and that was so much fun. Thank you. Shout out to our staff who did this wonderful yeah. event. Yeah. Oh, that was so fun. Learned about hospitality and how to, you know, how Jesus approached people and how we should too, welcoming people into our homes. It was so wonderful. Speaking of which, and I want to share a little story uh, about our uh, church's pantry and food pantry. We have been so appreciative and thankful uh, for your donations. And uh, through those donations, we have fed many families. I can remember when I first uh, started there that uh, it was uh, a busy day on Wednesday when 25 or 30 people would show up. And uh, last Wednesday, there were 103 families that showed up. So we're seeing a a big increase in our our pantry needs and and, uh, just praying and uh, thanking and being grateful for all of the donations that you folks donate. So anytime that we go out, we usually have a list of things uh, through our bulletin or through uh, our online uh, website uh, announcing what might be needed for that particular week. So we, we just really appreciate you and thank you for that. God bless you guys. Okay, with that, why don't you stand and greet one another and say, are you Chiefs or 49ers today? Whoa. Super Bowl, I have an assignment for you, okay? Something so bold to ask a a room full of Christians, right? Open your Bibles later in the day, between now and the Super Bowl, all right, after church is over, and I want you to read a story found in 2 Chronicles chapter 26. It's about the life of King Uzziah. He came to reign at the age of 16 years old, and when he was 16 years old, how many know that's a really big task for a 16-year-old to rule the kingdom of Jerusalem, amen? That's a lot. I couldn't do it. I would have, it would have fallen to pieces. But uh, he does a lot of really good things for the kingdom, okay? He does so many good things. He's an inventor. He fortifies their walls. He rebuilds their army. He does so many great things for the kingdom. But as he gets older, he becomes prideful and the kingdom of Jerusalem 
starts to, to crumble and he's building up this wealth for the kingdom. And then King Uzziah has enough boldness. I don't know if you know this, but kings didn't walk into the temples. That was the job of the priests, okay? And King Uzziah thinks, okay, I'm gonna go in this temple and I'm gonna burn incense because I've done so many really good things for the Lord as his king. And all the priests warn him, they say, king, do not go in there. That's not your role, okay? How many of you guys need to tell someone in your life, hey man, that's not your role, okay? You wanna tell that? And how many of us need to kind of listen to the Lord and say, hey, this isn't my role, amen? Some of us overstep our bounds sometimes. King Uzziah did that. And in that moment that he stepped into the temple, he, there was leprosy on his head and he, he ended up living the rest of his life in obscurity, tucked away from the rest of the kingdom as king, but as an obscure and pointless king, okay? And he was warned, this isn't your role. And so Isaiah, most prophets receive their calling in the first chapter of their own book. Isaiah waits until chapter six, because how many of us know that some resurrections take time, amen? So the story of Isaiah in chapter one, two, three, four, and five, we're just dealing with the death of a king. And in chapter six, we pick it up and we're about to get Isaiah's prophetic calling. And I want you to receive Isaiah's prophetic calling as your own. At the end of this prophetic calling, it says, and I heard a voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then I, Isaiah said, here I am, Lord, send me. And so some of you guys, your prophetic calling is not to be sent or anything like that, or to go to the nations. But I'm telling you that each one of us this morning have a prophetic call to come and worship the Father this morning, okay? So in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings who covered their face, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And one called to another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And then they go on to speak the prophecy. And this morning, I'm just inviting us into that reality. As a prophet, as a prophet, as a Christian who carries the presence of Christ with you, you cannot overstep your bounds in worship this morning. You are invited to step into the Holy of Holies. You are invited to enter in with boldness because Christ made a way for you, amen? So just open up your hands and receive that. You are not like King Uzziah. You don't have to fear that you're going to receive leprosy if you're coming in with unclean hands or unclean lips. But I ask you this, would you please just purify your hearts before a Lord who is holy and wants the best of you right now? Everything that you're thinking right now that you need to just offer and lay at the feet of Jesus that is an unclean thought, everything that is in you that you just need to surrender to Jesus the King of kings and the Lord of lords, would you just do that with boldness this morning, knowing that he will forgive our sins, amen? We look to the crosses in this room and we know that he's done a work of redemption. So God, as we sing this song, awake my soul, God, help us to know that you are God who sees us and who loves us and who's making a way for us. You intercede on our behalf. So in Jesus' name we pray, we just give you our all this morning. Help us to live into our prophetic calling, everyone said, amen. Let's worship. Let's worship a worthy God.
praise that we have, God. And in bringing you our praise, we surrender all that we came in with this morning. God, we lay it at your feet. We surrender all that we are, all that we have, because we know that you are enough, that in you, you are enough for us. God, we, I pray that not one person is untouched by you this morning. God, that they experience you in this room right now. God, encounter your people, encounter your people, ignite a fire in their soul, bring hunger to their bellies so that they can proclaim your name to their neighbors, their friends, their families, to each other, God. God, we need you. We need you in this space. We need you in our hearts. God, come to your people. We're here and we're ready for you. Jesus, encounter us. Bring us into right understanding with you. Jesus, we thank you for what you're doing. We thank you. Amen.
thank you, Lord, that you paid it all. We are bought with a high price. I hear the Savior say, Thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in all. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it
We sing those words because we know what you have done for us. We know that you look down on each and every single one of us, Lord, and you see as white as snow. No matter how we view ourselves, no matter how we view each other, Lord, sometimes it's pretty incredible to think that you can see us that way. Father, I thank you. I thank you for the opportunity to raise our voices to declare that we needed a savior, that we need Jesus and that you gave us your son so we could have relationship with you. And I thank you that you are so powerful and so mighty and so redeeming and so full of grace, Lord, that we are here, right here, right now to testify to your goodness, to your power and to your glory. And so we give you this morning, Lord, we give you our lives, we give you our families. We give you everything we have. In this moment right now, it is about you. And we're here to be more and more like your son. We are here to just pour out back to you because you are worthy. You are holy. And, I'm, and you are just stinking amazing. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So this morning we're going to continue uh, in our time of worship and I'm going to invite the ushers to come forward to receive our tithes and offerings and this is a time that we give back to the Lord just like we're here this morning giving our voices and putting our minds and our hearts in his presence. We give back to him and trust him with all that he has given us. And as the baskets go around this morning, I want to uh, remind us that this Wednesday is Ash Wednesday. And so we begin our Lent series, our Lent season. And if you don't know what Ash Wednesday is, it is the time between uh, Wednesday and Easter. It's the 40 days in between. And so this Ash Wednesday, we have a service and we invite you to come and join us. And in the Lent series and in the season, we're going to join together as a church family. We're going to be here and we're going to join together to fast and to pray this uh, season. Now, for those of you who maybe don't understand fasting, know that next weekend when you come, Pastor David's going to explain a lot more about it. But we're going to fast together every day from 7 p.m. to 11 a.m. And so what we're going to do is we're doing this together as the body because we're going to trust him. And fasting is where you don't eat food and we're going to adjust it. And Pastor David will explain all of that. But I want you to be thinking about it now because this Wednesday we're going to gather together. We're going to pray. We're going to sing. And if you're new with us, you might be like, what are we doing? And I'm just going to challenge you, like, come back. If you're new with us, we would really love for you to come back two, three, four times and start figuring out a little bit about who we are, why we're here. Maybe you're here this morning, you're like, what are these people doing? They're singing and they're raising their hands and it's like, yes, we are. And it's because we have so much to give and so much that we can give praise to our Father. And so come back and join us. If you're here every week 
and you come to this church and you're like, I haven't taken the next step, then every week that you come here, two, three, four, five times in a row, look for something new. Ask yourself, is there something that I need to learn? I need to understand more. How do I be more involved? How do I connect? Because this isn't, you'll hear us say this a lot, this isn't something just to attend. This is a place where we want you to be involved. And church, I'm telling you, this is a place where we want you to be transformed. This is a place where we want to become more and more like Jesus, where we love like people have never experienced before because we have been loved. And so join us this Wednesday at 6 p.m. Don't miss out on it. Even if you don't even know what it is, it's fine. When Pastor David came, he's like, we're going to have an Ash Wednesday service. And I was like, I'm not Catholic. It's fine. It's not just for Catholics. It's for everybody. So come on in. I didn't know either, but it's an incredible, incredible experience. Are you guys ready for this morning? All right, I invite, I invite you to watch this video and then we are going to hear from Pastor Phil this morning. I'm visual, so I needed to see the visual of the, of, of the story that we're looking at this morning. I don't have much time with you. But Jesus says in Matthew chapter five, God blesses those who are poor in spirit. And he says, and they realize that they, their need for him. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who are poor in spirit and realize their need for him. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. This story of the Samaritan woman actually is that story of what Jesus says in the Beatitudes. The question is, do you realize that you need the Lord? John chapter three, John chapter four is... Two stories where we see Jesus the Messiah who has already been told by a lot of people that this is the one who comes to take away the sins of the world. So we have a, in John chapter 3, which we, a lot of us know, it'll probably, you'll probably see it today on the Super Bowl, maybe, I don't know. But you, you have this famous story of how God so loved the world. But in that context of that story is Jesus talking to a known person named Nicodemus, a religious leader, he is named. Then you fast forward to John chapter 4, and we come to Jesus, who is now in front of an unknown woman who has no name, a Samaritan woman. So you have two stories, a man who is known, has a name, and a woman who is not known, has no name. Both these stories are pointing to the fact that Nicodemus, the religious man, who knew the scriptures, who is teaching the scriptures to people, has a need for the Messiah. We also have John 4, a woman who is not known. We don't know her name. She has a need for the Messiah. Many of us in this room have been following Christ for a long time. We are the ones that understand the scriptures, we, we've been going to Bible study, we have been coming to church, we have been doing the things, and yet we still are in need of the Messiah. Some sitting in this room or watching us online or out on the patio are one 
that is unknown. You're unknown. People don't know you. You don't know the Lord. And yet you have a need for a Messiah, a Savior. I think this story is so, um, it's not funny, but it's kind of like, it makes it real because you, John chapter four, beginning in verse one, we see the idea of why Jesus even is going to Samaria. So back up in John chapter three, before we get to John chapter four, we have this idea that John the Baptist is speaking and he might even be in prison. And what John is doing is, is, is he is being, well, he says it. This is one of my fav- favorite scriptures. But what he is doing is what I hope we, we would do as well. He says this in John chapter 3. This the scripture will not be up there, but write it down. John three twenty seven. John replied, no one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. Verse 28, you yourselves know how plainly I told you. John saying, I am not the Messiah. I am only here to prepare the way for him. If I could stop there, I think that we too are like John the Baptist in the time that we are living in now. We are supposed to be preparing the way for the second coming of Christ. You know he's coming back, right? balcony you know he's coming back right so let us be like a john the baptist and say let us prepare the way for his second coming verse 29 it is the bridegroom who marries the bride and the best man is simply glad to stand with him and hear his vows we are the best man therefore i am filled with joy at Jesus' success, at his success. And this is, I, this is one that I come back to often and I hope you come back to as well. John 3.30. He must become greater and greater. And I must become less and less. Why? Because it's not about us. Why? It's not about my glory. Why? It's not about new life's glory. Why? Because people need to see Jesus, not you. I can't predict who's going to win the Super Bowl, so don't even try. We all have our opinions, right? But whoever's going to win and whoever gets that interview, they will probably deflect glory from themselves and say, I I just want to thank Jesus. Can we be like a John the Baptist in a generation that needs us to get out of the way And move when Jesus moves. Go where he tells us to go. Be filled with compassion like Jesus was filled with compassion. What was one of the reasons that he came to the earth? To seek and save the lost. We have a story of Jesus showing us the example of what it looks like to seek after those who feel alone those who feel isolated, those who feel like they can't come in community because of their past. Can I give you my, my main point right now? Write it down. 
Jesus wants to talk to you about the thing that you do not want to talk about. Write it down. Jesus wants to talk about the thing that is causing you great condemnation, causing you great guilt, causing you to hide from community. He wants to come into your home, into your heart, into your life and talk about that thing. Why? Because he is the light of the world. And he wants to call us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. So we have a story, John 4. Jesus knew the Pharisees, verse 1. Had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Although Jesus himself did not baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. I love this because it's so, for me, it puts the scriptures in, in, in like reality. Like he's leaving because there's pettiness and there's comparison happening. Hey, man, did you hear that Jesus is making more disciples than you? Hey, did you hear that your, your youth group is bigger than that one? Did you hear that your church is big? Did you hear that their church is going more events? So he leaves. And in his leaving, we see, we know that Jesus is a, is a man who is on mission. Go ahead and silence your phone, please. It's highly distracting for me. We can't go back. Can't go back. Why? Because we have one that is coming back again. So Jesus is leaving a certain area because there is comparison happening. And it says that he left in verse 4. He had to go through Samaria on his way. Now, he didn't have to do this. It was the most direct route. He didn't have to do that because people and Jewish people, Jewish rabbis in this time, actually all Jewish people in this time would go actually take the long way around Samaria so that they would not have to deal with or come in contact with Samaritan people. Why? Because there is a racial thing happening there. Oh, here he goes with his politics. I'm not. I promise, I promise you I'm not. And yet we see Jesus that goes at length, because he has a divine appointment with someone. Who in your life, church, needs you to go the straight path and not go, go the long way? Who in your life needs you to come straight to them because you have been sent on mission, because you have been filled with God's spirit to move with compassion for the lost? There's a lot of things that the Spirit of God does when he fills us, but one in particular that I love that we maybe we may not talk about that much, Paul, but is the idea that when the Spirit of God comes upon us, it empowers us with great boldness to go and proclaim. Thank you, Terry. I'm all for the things that the Spirit does. But also, I want us to not be so weird about the Spirit of God because we need the Spirit to empower us, to give us confidence and boldness to go to the one that needs to hear, that go to the one that is in isolation, to go to the one that feels like they can't come in this space because of their past. And yet we see one named the Samaritan woman who has been running. We don't know how long she's been coming to the well at noon. We don't know how long this has been happening, but she is coming by herself. She has scheduled her life in such a way that she is alone. 
and she comes this day to see and encounter and be with, she's already been with five and the one she's with ain't even her husband and now she's with the seventh man. The seventh man, the, the number of completion. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to the, uh, the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from his long journey, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. I love this because this has given us the idea that Jesus came in human form. The word became flesh and dwelled among his people, and we have seen him with our own eyes, the scripture declares. Write this scripture down for me. This reminds me of 1 John chapter 4. I wrote it in the margins. 1 John 4, 1 through 12. You can... I'll just read it. Okay, yeah. I'm trying to expect you to go home and read it. First John 4, verse 1 and 2 says this. Dear, dear friends, do not, be, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. We need discernment today, right? Because your favorite TikTok, YouTube... Facebook preacher saying what they want, we need discernment in these days. Amen. Don't believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them by to, to see if the Spirit they have confer, comes from God. For there, is, there are many false prophets in the world. Verse 2, this is how we know if they have the spirit of God. If a person claiming to be a prophet acknowledges that Jesus Christ came in a real body, that person has the spirit of God. John is giving us um, clues here that Jesus is tired from his journey, meaning he is a human being. We see the humanity of Christ in John chapter four. He sat down and he's thirsty. He's needy, if you will. We don't like to look at a God that's needy and sit down and is tired, but yet we see one in the person of Jesus, that is tired. Hebrews chapter 4, write that down as well. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 says this, says this idea that oh, we serve a high priest that it knows exactly what we go through. Uh, I'm paraphrasing it, but I, I just want to read it for you. This high priest being Jesus is of ours, or this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testing we do, yet he did not sin. For let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. Jesus understands what you and I go through because he came to be a human being. I love that. I love that little detail that John gives us right there. He says, soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at, the, at this time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. This woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? I love this because we serve a God that does not refuse to come to those who we think are too far gone. No one, and y'all have heard this, this is nothing new, no one is too far from God. There's no circumstance that's too hard for God. God will come to us, even in our cultural context, to think like, oh, like, um, like, like she said, she was surprised. 
She was surprised. And I know there's some students in the room or, or that come on Wednesday nights that are sometimes surprised when they meet God. Because they were not expecting Jesus to, to actually move in their life. And some of us in this room are actually thinking the same thing. We don't actually think that Jesus is going to move in our life, and yet we are surprised this morning. We are surprised and, and shocked because Jesus does not refuse to come to anyone. Because salvation, right relationship between God and humans, is for everyone, Romans 10 says. Jack, you can go ahead and come up. You can go ahead and come up. So Jack is going to come up to play some keys and make me sound spiritual. That's what's going to happen. So it's, it's cool. It's cool. Because at the end of this service, and when we look at the Samaritan woman's life, I want us to, like last night, I was listening. This song kept coming to my mind, Run to the Father. And the idea that this Samaritan woman, instead of running, actually she ran away from community and we don't know how long she's been out of community, but then she comes and she runs to the Father through Jesus. And then from there, she runs to back to her community because of the, her testimony. We'll get there. Verse 10, Jesus, Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. This is Jesus talking about salvation. Living water is salvation. Living water is eternal life. How do we know what eternal life is? I'm glad you asked. John chapter 3, or 17, verse 3 says this. This is how we know what eternal life is, that you believe in the one that God has sent, and that is Jesus. To know Jesus, the one that God has sent, that is eternal life. Not us going into the clouds one day. Eternal life is us knowing because Jesus himself gave us the, 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 the definition of what eternal life is. To know, to know me. And he says, if you only knew, we need to know, church, who this Jesus actually is. We need to know because in our knowing, we will start to ask questions. In our knowing, we will start to ask because how many in this room know, and I, I know a lot of you are because we, a lot of us in this room are believers, that salvation, right, relationship with God does not come by our own efforts. We can't knock on enough doors to get into the kingdom of God. Salvation, the scriptures teach us, is a free gift of God. Romans 5 teaches us this. The wages of sin, the payment of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. We learn from Paul in Ephesians 2 that you have been saved by grace through faith and this is nothing of our own accord so that no one can boast about it. I don't see this Samaritan woman boasting about this free gift. What I see her response is her actually running, leaving the thing that she came here, leaving something valuable at the well to go into her town where she is isolated. She has a past. She, everybody knows who she is. And she goes back to the place that people know her, which I would say maybe is sometimes the hardest place to go back to is our homes. It's easy to sign up and send me to, a, to another continent. Those people don't know me. It makes me think about the uh, demon-possessed man who Jesus healed him. And, and he says, I want to go with you. And he says, no, you go back home. Mark 5, go back home. That's some of our 
our message today. Go back home. Live this stuff out in front of your kids, which I'm speaking to myself. Live this out in front of your spouse. Live this out in front of your your, uh, siblings. Live this out in front of your parents. Go home. Salvation is a gift. I love this story because it is actually one of the first times that Jesus reveals his divine identity to someone. Mind you, he he was just with Nicodemus, the religious man. But we think, oh yeah, but no. Jesus does not reveal himself to Nicodemus like that, but he reveals himself to this unknown Samaritan woman. We don't even have her name. She's isolated out of community, going to a well at noon because she knows no one's there because of her past. And Jesus chooses to reveal himself to her in this way. I am the Messiah. And hearing that, I'm assuming there was great hope and great joy that met her that day. Because, and she started having an enthusiasm about Jesus. What is your story, church? What well are you at that Jesus is making a divine appointment to come and talk to you about? What are the things in your life that you don't want others to know about? What is that thing? Because Jesus wants to come and talk to you about that thing. Why? So he can bring you healing. Why? So you can walk in freedom. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm in that freedom, Galatians 5.1. Because a lot of times we get chained to our past. We get chained to our sin. And yet God, through the person of Jesus, is coming to set us free from the bondage of sin. He wants, we see this woman running from her pain and then after she has an encounter with Christ, she is now running with purpose. Right, go ahead. Yeah, I see somebody writing that down. Go ahead. Put that on social media later. Tag me. I'm silly. I'm being silly. I'm being silly. We see someone running from her pain in isolation and guilt and shame and yet after she meets the the Messiah this Jesus that had to go through Samaria she now is filled with purpose and I wish Philip would just tell me what that purpose is the great commission the great commission is our purpose church when you go and work those three shifts on two shifts off firefighter first responder construction worker, business owner, school teacher. Just know your past and your pain can actually be flipped to use for God's glory because we have been called to run with purpose. And this purpose is to make disciples of all nations, all people groups, and then baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit. And as you do this, teach these new disciples everything that Christ has taught us. And as we do that, remember that God is with us as we do this. You have to stop running from your pain and run to Jesus for, so that he can actually heal that pain. And then in exchange, then you can use that testimony to testify 
about the one who changed your life. Her mess, this is not a, this is not my, my saying, I've heard it somewhere in my life. Our mess can be, be, become our message. And we see it in the Samaritan woman. Verse 11, but sir, you don't have rope or a bucket, she said, and this well was very deep. Where would we get, where would you get this living water? And besides, you don't think you're better than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well. How can you offer better water than he and his sons drink from and his animals? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will be soon become thirsty again. This is speaking to the idea of world. Things in this world is going to always not satisfy you. That, that statement was, I mean, as a, a school teacher, that was a terrible statement. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The things of this world cannot satisfy you. The things you keep going back to cannot satisfy you. You know this. You're a human. You understand. Going back to pornography cannot satisfy you. Going back to alcohol cannot satisfy you. Going back to just scrolling aimlessly to numb the pain, to not deal with issues cannot satisfy you. Buying a bunch of things off Amazon cannot satisfy you. Getting the new house is not going to satisfy you. Getting the new car is not going to satisfy you. Getting that next girl or the next boy or that new relationship is not going to satisfy you. Becoming the star quarterback is not going to satisfy you. Fill in the blank. Culture and the world cannot satisfy that's why Christ is saying, if you keep coming back to these things, you will be thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again because it becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Only Jesus can satisfy. Give me that camera right here. Give me this camera right here. Only Jesus can satisfy. I didn't want to fall off. I know, I know. The anxiety on this side of the room. Only Jesus can satisfy. I'm speaking to myself too, social media. We need real encounters with Christ. Who cares how many, how many students are at youth group on Wednesday nights? Who cares how many programs we do as a church, now they're great. Galentine's, I'm sure, it was, it was great, and I heard it was cool. If it's not pointing us to purpose, to the Great Commission, to making more disciples, if, if it's not leading us to become empowered with God's Spirit, to now go and have divine appointments with those in our life that are isolated, they'll never come to a Galentine's. They'll never come to a Wednesday night. They'll never come to a Bible study. And her response is, please, sir, Give me this water so I'll never be thirsty again. And I won't have to come here to get watering. And he says, now go and get your husband, Jesus told her. And what he is doing here is he is calling out sin in her life. Sometimes Jesus exposes sin publicly. In this moment, he's exposing her sin privately. Because for us to come into a right relationship with Jesus, y'all all know that we're all believers in the room. I, I, well, I can't assume that. For those in the room, we all understand that this free gift of salvation also comes with this idea of us repenting of our sins. 
turning from our selfishness and turning to God. Repentance. The free gift of relationship is through repentance. Why? Because it is the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. It is the goodness of God that this woman is experiencing that she can actually have her sin be exposed and she turn to the Messiah and then from there she turned and ran to her community to tell them, come see a man who told me everything I did. He didn't tell her everything she did. But come and see. Is that our message? Are you going to leave these rooms and say, are you going to post on social media and say, are you going to send a text message to a friend and say, come and see? What am I supposed to do with this, Philip? Leave this space and start to tell people, come and see. What you're inviting people to look at your life. You're inviting people to actually say, look at my life being changed by the Christ. And he has the same power that he can offer you. He can change your life. Come and see when you're at work. Don't just kick, get them to church, but use your testimony. Why? Because Re Re Revelation says, we have overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. What is your testimony? Number one, what is the thing, number one, what is the thing that Jesus wants to talk to you about that you don't want to talk to anyone about? Because he wants to shed light on that darkness. Number two, from that, respond by repenting of your sins and turning to Jesus for eternal life, which is just knowing him. Number three, now go be a faithful witness. Go be a witness. Start with your testimony. Come and see. And as people see the goodness of God that has transformed your life, they will be drawn to Jesus because of what he has done in your life. Some of y'all in this room are all the only Bible that some people will see. You're the only Bible that some people will, will read. Man, what that, seems, that seems weird, Philip. Why would you say it like that? Because Paul says it in, in 1st or 2nd Corinthians that your life is actually a letter of recommendation for all to see the life, power, transformation of the work of Jesus. I love it because I don't have time to get into everything, but Jesus exposes her sin. She is self-aware, and then he exposes her sin, and then she starts to talk about worship, and he says, it doesn't matter where we worship. It's about the heart of worship. You can be sitting in this, in this room right now with a heart away from God during worship. But God cares not about the location of worship. He cares about how we worship. So then from there, he goes on to talk about, for God is spirit. Speaking of God's nature, God is spirit. First John says, God is love. The Old Testament says, God is just. We are getting the glimpses of who God actually, this is his nature. He is spirit. So we must worship him in spirit and truth. We must worship him rightly, church. We must worship him through confession of sin and through truth of the gospel of who he actually is. And Jesus goes on to talk about the idea. I love this. He says, 
wake up. He's talking to his disciples now. Wake up. Can't you see? Wake up. Can't you see that Gen Z is coming to Jesus? Wake up. Gray heads in the room, we need you. I think every time I stand up here, I talk to you. We need you to be a faithful witness. Wake up and open your eyes. Because Jesus says, the fields are already ripe for the harvest. Students are coming to Christ. Wake up. For those uh, that are in North Carolina or in Texas or in the South and you don't, and you've actually never been to California, you've actually never been to a school in California, you say, California's too gone. You say, these kids are wild. And I say, come here and visit me. I have a guest room. Come to the high school campuses with me and see for yourselves that God is working amongst a generation of high schoolers. Open your eyes and wake up. All around you, at work, all around you, at school, all around you, in the gym, all around you, at your favorite coffee shop, all around you. I can't remember this statistic, and I'm done because I... I want, I want Miss Ireland to sing this song as a response to encountering Christ, us actually coming to Jesus and not, not going away from him, actually coming into community and not, and not isolating ourselves. Wake up and look around. Father, give us eyes to see in our everyday life. Give us eyes to see. If you need to go pick up your kids, go ahead and go ahead and go. Ahead and go. No, you're good. Just kidding. Miss Dana says no. Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Open your eyes. Let's pray. Father, I pray you would open our eyes. Father, I pray that you would open our eyes to see around us that there is a great need. That the statistic that I was going to say that I forgot and now I remember again. That so many people are waiting to be invited to a church. So God, give us boldness to even just invite. God, make us a church that is an inviting church. Thank you for people like Elena who has made it easy for us with little cards to give to people. People at the connection desk, as we're still praying, I'm gonna talk to the ones at the connection desk. Hey, connection desk people, be ready to give out those invitations for people to come and grab. So, Father, open our eyes to see the people in our life that need a divine appointment. Help us to schedule. Not be so busy that we can actually see people in our community that are isolated, that are running away from community, that needs a conversation with you, Jesus. So empower us. Give us the words to say in that moment as well. I pray against fear of humans, fear of man in in this room in Jesus' name. Help us to fear you, God. Help us to be empowered by your spirit to go be a faithful witness in the five cities. May your kingdom come. May your will be done in Pismo as it is in heaven, and on the central coast as it is in heaven, in California as it is in heaven. So Lord, help us be like those this past week Help us be the first responders that go into a place like a high school because of a lockdown. Help us go into a place like them 
with confidence and boldness with a message of hope. So Lord, we, we bless you in this place. We thank you for this, for this word. We thank you for who you are. We thank you that you, you are the Messiah. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm gonna go ahead and invite you to stand up. I'm gonna go ahead and invite you, to, or you can sit down. It's a free country, <laughs> thank God. But I want us to respond in worship before we leave. Because I know for us, like, well, I'm not gonna say that, just kidding. We need to respond in worship. And let this song speak to your heart. It's, it's by a guy named Cody Carnes. It's called Run to the Father. Be thinking about people in your life that need to run to the Father. That will only run to the Father after they have a divine appointment with you. Sing this song in faith. Believing that the people in your life will actually come into a relationship with Jesus. And after we sing this song, I'll close with some prayer or or a commission, and we can be on about our way. So let's sing this song. I don't understand.
So as we go, may we go rejoicing in the fact that our Savior has set us free from darkness. And as we go, let us hear this Acts chapter 1 verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen and amen. We'll see you this Wednesday for Ash Wednesday. We'll see you on next Sunday. I'll see you Wednesday at youth group. I'll see you this week in the community. Let's go usher.